Do we like the cool weather? Well, bad news for us, it's going to be 80s and sunny the rest of the week. <laughs> I first looked it up, um, and I was like, man, is, it, is fall coming? And it's, it's not here yet, so your, your pumpkin spice lattes are going to have to wait, ladies. But for us men, dun, 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 ch, 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 football's back, baby. All you men, you all ready? It's, it's going to be awesome. Monday Night Football, Cody's starting to host Monday Night Footballs, and so... I'm excited for the NFL season. Um, my name is Jake. I want to welcome you guys to the Crossing Church. Uh, we, uh, as you can tell, we like football, <laughs> but uh, we're glad that you guys were able to come. We just did an awesome event this uh, last night called the Block Party, and it was just a really cool event to get some families to come get to know us. Um, but our fall semester or our fall season, I say semester because I'm a campus minister, so I'm always in semester mindsets, but our fall season is so busy here at the Crossing Church. We have so many activities and events planned. Um, from for all of our different age ranges and ministries, and so if you're visiting with us and you know it, it, you came at a, at a good time, we have so many things planned, and we'll kind of get into some of that stuff. Uh, I know that there's a skate night coming up for the junior high ministry. There's something in your guys' bulletin that you guys can look at that for some further information, and we'll have more things coming in the bulletins the next couple of weeks for our for our fall uh, events and and uh, and things that we have going on. Uh, our ladies' retreat is is right around the corner as well, um, and so there's just so many cool things that. Uh, if you're visiting, you came at the right time. I think God has planned this time. The Bible says God plans the times and places for people and when they should meet. Uh, and it's all to get closer to him. And so if you're here today, this might be that window, that crossroads that he wants you to get to know him and connect with his people a little better. Um, we are in a sermon series called Unmistakable. And if you guys uh, have a bulletin, there is a, uh, a, a piece of notes that you guys can pull out and follow along with the sermon today. But this sermon uh, series that we're going through is called Unmistakable. It's just an idea of finding, an, finding a way to be unmistakably uh, distinguished or, or to be known as, as a Christian in this, in this world that we live in. Uh, and there's some unmistakable qualities or traits that we can, we can exhume uh, through us to, to show that. And so last week we talked about this unmistakable confidence uh, and what that would look like for us to have an unmistakable confidence in our lives. And we talked a little bit about how that, you know, that word confidence can also be translated as hope. And to have this unmistakable hope about no matter how we live lives, no matter where we go, no matter how we walk, that there can be a hope within us. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about another unmistakable trait, and that's holiness. Unmistakable holiness in our lives. Um, and if you, if you think that God is concerned with the idea of being holy, and maybe you hear the word holy a lot, just know that in the Old Testament, the word holy itself is used over 430 times. Just the word holy. Uh, in the New Testament, it's used uh, a, a, a close to 180 different times. And so if you put that together, that's a lot of times the word holy is used. And if you want to even tra- change that word a little bit to holiness... Oh, there's, there's another 200 different ways that that word is used. And so over seven or 800 times in Scripture, the word holy or holiness is used in regards to describing someone or something. And so that must be a word that God wants us to understand, um, but more importantly for, for us to know to be able to use in our own lives, to have this unmistakable idea of what the word holy is. Um, and so what we're going to do is I'm actually going to read a passage of scripture, and it's in 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 25. 
And uh, that's good because we're going to kind of break this down today and look at what this really is talking about when it comes to holiness. So if you guys want to, we'll follow along with it up on, up on the screen. But in 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 25, it says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you, know that gold, or for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters love each other deeply with all of your heart. For you've been born again, but not as a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass and their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Okay, that's a, that's a long verse, and that's a, that's a lot to kind of unpack. But it's important for us to know what's going on here, because he's speaking to a bunch of people who have been going through persecution, and they've been wrongly accused for doing things that are right. And I think that in the midst of what's going on in these people's lives, it's important for them to remain holy and I think that he wants them to make sure they understand that holiness is going to be a key factor in the way they live their lives out from here on forward because there may not be an opportunity for them to be pardoned. There may not be an opportunity for them to, to be justified for what's, what's been done wrong in their lives, but there's still a way they're expected to live. And so it's important for us to understand this idea of holiness and to see how God talks to his people through, it, through these scriptures here so we can get an idea as well, that no matter, what, no matter what's going on in life, no matter what culture we're part of, no matter what kind of world we live in, that there should still be an unmistakable holiness about how we choose to live life. And so we're going to break that verse down a little bit as we talk today about these different points. But we're going to talk about three main things today about unmistakable holiness and, and how unmistakable holiness can come. And so the first point today is that unmistakable holiness will come as I embrace what it means to be holy. As I embrace what it means to be holy. You know, I could ask just a general definition right now, like what do you think it means to be holy? And if I asked that question, I'm sure I would get a lot of different answers out of you guys. Because the culture and the world we live in today sometimes takes that word holy and turns it into something completely different. See, the first thing that I think of when I hear the word holy is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, that's the first thing I think of, right? Um, and I, I remember watching that as a, as a young kid with my brother, all, all in, watching the Knights battle and, and watching the way that they would talk and, and how hilarious that movie was. But the only thing I really got out of it was that there was this Holy Grail, you know, and it's something special. And, you know, the Holy Grail, even, even in the world, like it was an artifact that, you know, just made it, made it seem like it was something that was so much better than everything else and that it was so much greater. 
And so, like, I see that. Well, then you hear people say, like, holy smokes or, or holy moly. Or you know, they say, like, these weird words. And you're like, well, what is holy? Like, why is holy in front of that? Like, what, does, what is the definition of a holy? Or you hear somebody say, maybe in, in a religious context, like, well, they're just holier than thou, you know? And I think of, like, hip, hypocrites when I hear it like that. When somebody says, oh, they're holier than thou, I'm like, eh, they think they're better than me, you know? And so, like, I, I hear the word holy in lots of different contexts. So I, sometimes I'm like, well, what, what is the real definition of holy? Where do I find the true definition of holy? Well, in John 6, verses 68 and 69, it says, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words to give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. And you don't have to go very far in Scripture to realize that if we want to know what it means to be holy, that there has been a person placed on earth that has given us that example, and that's Jesus. In Acts 2, 26 and 27, it says, No wonder my heart is glad, my tongue shouts its praises, my body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One, referring to Jesus here, to rot in the grave. And so if we want to see an example of holiness and what it really means, we, we, have, we have somebody to look at for that. We don't have to look around this earth. We don't have to look at a certain artifact. We don't have to look at certain things. Uh, but we actually have a, a person that we can look at and say, if you want to know what holiness is, it's Jesus Christ. And so we have all these different definitions. But what we're going to do is, I'll kind of give you two different definitions if you want to actually define this word and not just say Jesus. You know, that's, that's funny because whenever I was a kid, I always wrote Jesus as the answer. If I didn't know the answer, like in my English classes and stuff, when it was like, who did this or who did that? And I'm like, Jesus. Like, Jesus is always the answer, right? And so, like, I thought, like, as a kid, like, that's always the answer. Like, I'm going to get it right, you know, at least maybe half credit. I don't know. But I would always throw Jesus in there, right? And so if you want to say, what does it mean to be holy? You can say Jesus, but maybe you don't really know what that means <laughs> on top of that. So we're going to give you guys some definitions, too. And the, the official definition or the formal definition of that word holy means to be set apart for a notable purpose. If you just want to look at the bare-bone definition of holy, if you looked in Webster's Dictionary, if you looked into just the, the, the core de defining word of holy, it means to be set apart for a notable purpose. And I think whenever people look at holiness and they look at being holy, whether it be a thing or a person, most of us would probably agree that the set-apart side we know. We know it's meant to be set apart. Like the Holy Grail, for example. Like people believe that that brought um, the divine power, that if you possess the Holy Grail, like that, you, that God was with you in your, in your fights. And there were little battles and, 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 and things fought over this, this artifact. And then once it was secured, they didn't just like let it sit out in, in the community or, or around the village for people to see it. But they would lock that thing up or they would, they would showcase it somewhere safe so that nobody could come and steal it and things like that. Like it was set apart. It was meant to not just be another goblet or another cup in a, in a cupboard that you just pull out frequently, but it was something that was meant to be set apart. And I think when we think of the word holy, we can agree, okay, something that's holy is meant to be set apart. It's not like everything else. But then there's a second part of this that means for a notable purpose. You see, when something's meant to be holy, it's not just meant to be put up on a shelf. It's meant to be separated for a reason. It's, it's meant to be separated to be used a different way. And I think that second part we miss when we think about when the Bible describes holiness. 
that if we, if we are called to be God's people, if we are called to be somebody who follows God and, and we are called to be holy, I think sometimes we, we tend to want to separate ourselves from the world, but we don't realize that we're meant to be used differently for the world. And that's an important key to not lose or to not forget when we think about this, force, this formal definition. But there's also a practical definition. And if you want to really know like, what that would look like in a lifestyle... Well, that definition would be being different than the world and being like Jesus. You see, it's the same definition as holy, but if you're going to say set apart, the the context here is we're talking about the world, and we're set apart and we're different from the world, but that notable purpose is to be like Jesus instead. Literally, the root meaning of the word holy is translated as different. If you, want to look at the, if you want to look at how it's translated in the world. In 1 Peter 1.17, look at what it says here. It says, If you call Father the one who judges everyone impartially according to what they have done, you must live in reverent fear as long as you are strangers in a strange land. You know, we read earlier in that part was said temporary residence. You know, here it says strangers in a strange land. Go ahead and circle that or underline that just so you can understand that that's kind of what we're called to be. In other translation, it says the word alien, you know? And so when you get this idea of alien or temporary residence or strangers in a strange land, when we think about being holy, that's what we are supposed to feel. That the, that the world that we live in, the context of, of the culture that we, that we are engulfed in, that we should feel strange, Right? And if you think of like any types of strangers in strange lands and they don't feel like they fit in or they don't feel like they belong, you know, think of any context over, the, over time. Think of, think of if, if there was, you know, a cowboy that shows up in Japan. Like he's not going to feel like he's home. You know, like it's just not going to make sense. Think about like a, a Rams fan in Chief Kingdom right here. You're not going to fit in, Reggie. You're not going to belong, right? Um, it just doesn't sit right. Think of all these different places that maybe the things that you like, if you went somewhere where those things weren't liked and you were there, would you think that you fit in? Would you think that that was your home? Of course you wouldn't. And that's the exact same way that God says we are supposed to feel here on earth. That this isn't our home. We're not supposed to find comfort and blessing and healing here saying this is where I belong. This is where I feel safe. This is where I feel protected. This is, this is my family. And there are elements on earth that God has provided for that, but the reality is that God has provided those things to help us remember that this isn't our home, that there's something different that we're supposed to set apart and be purposeful in a different direction. Um, in, in 1 Peter 2.9, you know, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a particular, a peculiar people. You're a peculiar group of people. See, he's not talking about everyone here. He's talking about a certain group of people, and that's what holiness is. And it's so important for us to understand that that first piece of holiness to be defined as what it is because we need to understand the definition of that word. We need to understand how it works and and what it stands for and what it should actually look like on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, the definition is good. It's good to have a definition. But the second thing is that we need to understand unmistakable holiness comes when I embrace that I am called to be holy. 
See, now that we have the definition and now we have the understanding, it's important for us to know that there should be a connection to it and that there is a calling for us as an individual. We have to embrace that idea that I am called to be holy. And that's important, you know, because a lot of times we go to church and we hear certain things like Jesus died for all. Jesus died on the cross to save all of us. And that's so true, is it not? But when you can connect to what Jesus did on the cross and you can connect that Jesus died not just to save all of mankind or to save all sinners, but he did it specifically for you. When you can connect to that on a one-on-one level, it means a little more, doesn't it? It, 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 it kind of hits home a little more. And I think the same thing can be said about when, we, when we're called to be holy. It can be easy for me to come up here on, from the pulpit and say, hey, Christians are called to be holy people. And we can all be like, I agree. You know? And then we leave church and we're like, yeah, Christians should be holy. Christians should be holy. And like we, we leave it at that, though. But when we can connect on a very personal level and say, I'm called to be holy. God has called me specifically to be holy. It carries a little more weight, does it not? It makes us try to figure out, well, what am I supposed to do? What is that supposed to look like? But that acknowledgement that I am called to be holy. In 1 Peter 1.15, it says, But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. You see, now it's a lifestyle. It's not just a definition, but there's a lifestyle that goes along with being holy. And the things that we do, our actions that we do, and it's not, just, it's not just periodic things that happen throughout the week, but to be called to have an unmistakable holiness means that our entire lifestyle, from when we get up to when we go to sleep, is meant to be holy. Now, there are certain things, there are certain practical things that we can do, like church, that's a good opportunity to show holiness. You're in a congregation with people who, who believe in God, and, and, and we look a little different because we're a little set apart from the world because there's people out in the world right now that aren't really following God and they don't believe in God. And so to be in a church of people who want to believe in God or are exploring their relationship with God, that's an example of holiness. You know, That is an example that you're, you're looking to be set apart and you're looking to find a community of people who are trying to be set apart as well to find that purpose. But... Just because you are here does not mean you are practicing holiness, right? Because we can sit here on a Sunday morning, and I remember saying this a couple weeks ago, but we can also be thinking about, oh, man, did I set my fantasy draft today? Like, fantasy football is going on today. I, I got to check that real fast. Maybe, oh, he's questionable. Oh, I got to check it again in a few minutes. You know, we do that stuff. I do that stuff, and I know some of you guys are laughing because I see you guys doing it all the time, too. Um, but we can be thinking about other things like where we're going to church or where we're going to din- or lunch after church, right? We can be thinking about all these different things. We can be feeling really guilty because we show up to church on Sunday, but if we looked at our lifestyle on Friday or Saturday night, maybe we don't feel so holy coming to church on Sunday mornings, right? Or maybe we, we feel like we have to come to church to get right because of what we did on Friday or Saturday night. And we think that because we come to church on Sunday morning, it exempts what we do on Fridays and Saturday nights, as long as we show back up to receive that holiness again. You see, but God's sitting here and he helps us understand to be holy in all you do is a lifestyle. It's not an attendance thing. So being at church is great. Being in a small group is great. Being involved in church-related activities, religious activities is great. 
But you can still be at those things and not be a holy person. You can still show up to the separating things, but you yourself throughout your lifestyle are not separated from the world. And so we have to embrace this idea that if we are called to be holy, well, that example means that there's something we have to do with our lifestyle. You see, <clears throat> there's a done and a do part that comes with holiness. And I think this part's important because it realizes that there have already been things done for us. You see, God has already done some things when it comes to holiness. God has already sent his son. God has already sent Jesus to die on the cross. God has already let his son die on a cross so that we can experience holiness. And there's nothing we have to do on that part because it's already been done for us. If you're investigating a relationship with God, I want you to know today that God has already done that for you. That part has already happened. The opportunity to have your sins forgiven and to be able to be somebody who can follow God and to receive salvation and eternal life and, and community, all of those things have already been done. Even if you walk through that door being like, I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know if I want this relationship. Just know right now, based on God's word, that part has already happened, whether you like it or not. That part's already done for. Holiness is already an opportunity waiting for you because of what God has already done. And that should be cool. There's no application process. You know, like there, there's, there's no waiting around. There's, there's no interview process to see if you got the holiness or not. You know, it's already happened. But because it has already happened, there is a due part of what I must do to attain that holiness, what I must do in my life to retain and, and contain all of that holiness that God has set in place for me, there are things I must do. And one of those things is being holy in your whole life, in everything you do, in every aspect of your life. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For as a believer, you have now been called for his purpose, or for this purpose. Since Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so you may follow in his footsteps. You see, it's hard to be holy in, in the hard times, right? It's hard to be holy whenever somebody's giving you, when somebody's giving you grief. It's hard to be holy whenever there's, there's tragedies that happen. It's hard to be holy in, in the mishaps of life, in the struggles of life. But Christ suffered for us not just to save our sins, but Christ suffered for us to give us an example of what it should look like for us to respond in the midst of suffering. He left us an example in the hardships. It'd be a lot harder to be a Christian if, if you know, Jesus came to earth and everybody was like, hallelujah, there's a king. Ah, he's a good guy. Let's not persecute him. Like, let's put him in a, in a kingly tower. Let's put him on a throne. Let's, let's give him everything he wants and everything he needs. And this is, the, this is the son of God. He's so holy. He's such a great man. Nothing wrong is ever going to happen. We're going to protect this man with our whole lives. It would be hard for us to connect with that kind of man, would it not? Because is, is that the way that you guys are treated in the world? Does people, do people come to you and say, we're going to protect you with everything. Let's put you on a throne. Let's give you the best, highest paying job with the biggest raises. Let's have nothing wrong happen to your life. You have a, you, We don't feel that way, do we? If we're real with ourselves, we can look at our lives. For me, for example, I think about like my dad wasn't around as a kid. And there's a big struggle that goes on with that. And I'm like, why, why did my dad leave as a, at a young age? Why was my dad an alcoholic? I don't feel like a very holy person. 
I don't feel very set apart. I feel like a lot of my friends that I grew up with that had the same kind of issues. I have lots of insecurities. I struggle with lots of different things in my life. And I look around my context and I say, I don't feel very set apart. I feel like everyone else. But it's so important to understand that that's the exact same way that God felt when he sent his son. That's the same way that Jesus felt as the son of God when he was here on earth. Why am I getting persecuted? Why, why am I trying to do good in my life, yet people are still throwing things at me and people are still throwing things at my name and still people are trying to do things to me to set me aside? It's an, it's an incredible example of having somebody who's suffered and we look to somebody like that in Scripture and say, that's how I feel. And he was the most holy person who had ever lived. And so that should be an awesome encouragement for us today to realize when we don't feel holy, when we feel like we're not called to be holy, we can look at an example of somebody who had, who had been very, very, very mistreated, more so than we have, yet was much more holier than we will ever achieve on this earth. And we can look at that example and realize that maybe we can answer the call instead of feeling discouraged or, or let down or that we're not capable. But we actually, we can make that. Romans 8, 29, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives in him. You see, that's, that's the plan. God created us in the image of himself and paralleled us in our lives with Jesus so that we could see that same example. We could see that same line of humanity be restored and we could see the intended shape of our lives through the life of Jesus. You see, and I think that's the problem with religion is if you went out into the world and you asked a bunch of Christians why they, why they follow the Christian faith or why they believe in the Bible, your probably number one answer is going to be because they want to go to heaven. That is, that is, that's the main reason why people follow the Christian faith is because they want to go to heaven. They want salvation. They want eternal life. But that's the biggest problem with our religion. That's the biggest problem with the Christian faith because I think at the bare bones, at the root, at the core of authentic Christian faith, Christianity is more about being like Jesus than simply being saved by Jesus. And if we could get this down and we could, and we could set this in place in our lives, I think that holiness would look a lot more frequent in the world than it actually does. I think that there might be more people that, that will be saved one day than they actually think that they are and they're fooling themselves. You see, because if you believe in the Christian faith just because you want to get saved, just because you want to go to heaven, you're going to miss the entire example of what you're meant to do here on earth. You can believe that you're going to heaven and live a life that is completely hypocritical of that and think that you're going, but the reality is, is that you're probably not based on what the scriptures say. The scriptures say very all the time, you know, many people believe in me, but so do the demons. Many people believe that there's salvation, but so do the demons. We can, we can, we can believe that there's a heaven, but that doesn't mean we're going. 
And we have this idea that the only reason I want to be a Christian is because I want to go to heaven. And we miss the idea of being like Jesus. But flip that for a minute, right? Because if authentic Christianity, if authentic religion was simply to be like Jesus, why are you a Christian? Because I want to be like Jesus. Because I want to follow his example. Because I want to live the way he lived. How can you miss heaven? You know what I'm saying? How can you miss salvation if that's the core reason why you follow the faith? You see, you see we're, supposed to, we're supposed to follow the faith not because we hate our lives and, and we hate the, the way that we were born or the way that we were raised or the culture that we were engulfed in and we want something better so we want to go to heaven one day. No, no, no. The reason we're supposed to follow God is because he's supposed to change those things right now. You see, we look so much forward to the future that God's saying, you can have heaven right now. You can have a piece of it right now. Just follow me and live like me, and you're going to get a little taste of what life can be like. You tired of being a drunk or an alcoholic or, you know, you tired of, of, of bad relationships? You tired of all these things? Don't just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to follow you because one day that's not going to happen in heaven. No, he's saying, you, want, you tired of that stuff? Follow my son. Be like him because that can change right now. That can start right now. You don't have to wait for heaven for some of those things to change to have a better life. You don't have to wait till you die to have a better life. You can start having those things right now. But that starts with embracing the call to be holy in everything we do. And then thirdly, okay, so now we know what it means. Now we know it's our call, but now you got to sell it to me. You know, tell me why. And that's the third one. I embrace why I'm called to be holy. So you got to sell it to me now. Like, I, I get what it means. I get that it's for me. But why? Why would I want to jump into this? Why would you guys want to be holy today? Why would you guys want to answer that call yourself? Well, first off, I'm called to holiness because God is holy. I'm called to holiness because God is holy. If there's no other reason that you would want to be holy after everything I had just talked about, I'll read 1 Peter 1.16. The scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. What else do you need? You know, like, it's, it's no longer a suggestion. Now it's a command. God says if you're going to follow me, you must be holy because I am holy. It's something that he is calling us to do. No longer requesting, no longer suggesting, but he is demanding out of Christians who want to believe in him. You must be holy. 2 Peter 1.4 takes it even further. It says, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Circle participate and divine nature. You may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by its evil desires. You see, in scriptures, we're created in the image of God. That means that if God is holy, we are created in that same image to have holiness ourselves. And what this verse is saying is that we may participate in that same nature, in those same genetics, in those same things, that heritage is passed down to us, that God is holy, so that means that we can be holy as well. And that's something that he has called us. There's a why involved in this because that is, it's in our nature to be holy. As children of God, as somebody who believes in God, it is in our nature 
to be that in the world. It's just a simple saying like father, like son. You know, for you parents in the room, there's not a prouder moment or a prouder feeling that you will probably have in life when one of your kids comes up to you and says, I want to be like you. Right? And I didn't get a chance to ever, like, reconcile with my dad. My dad, a couple years ago, I found out that he had OD'd in some random motel in some random state that I don't even know because I didn't really know my dad. But I knew my whole life I didn't want to be anything like my dad. And I don't know how that made him feel. I'm sure he probably felt that, not even knowing that I felt that way because of our distance as father-son. But I can only imagine as a father what that might feel like coming from a son or a daughter who's in the same house. But I know that happens all the time. I know that there are kids that go to their parents when they live with them and say, I don't want to be anything like you. Or sometimes they don't have to say it, right? You just watch the, you just watch the way they live. And it's completely different than the way you're trying to teach them and raise them up. And that can be a hard pill to swallow. To realize that, you know, to have the insecurities of am I failing as a parent? Am I doing something wrong? I spent all these years trying to, to, to shape and mold my kids, and yet they don't want anything. What a slap in the face that must be to me. What? But on the flip hand of that, when a son or a daughter comes and says, I want to be like you. Now, granted, there are some things that we don't want our kids to be like, right? <laughs> you know, like, there are some character traits in us that we're like, man, I hope my kid's not as controlling as me. You know, like, I hope my kid doesn't catch on to those things. I hope my kid's not as arrogant as me in some things. I hope my kid doesn't have these things about me as well. But the moral things that we talk about, you know, the character traits, the things that we, we choose to build on, we want our kids to look at us and say, I want to be like you. And that's the exact same way that God wants us to look at him. You see, God is holy. He's given us that same heritage to be holy, and he's shown us that example through Jesus and through the things that they have done through scriptures. And God wants us to look at our lives and look at what, what God has done for us and say, God, I want to be like you. I want to be holy just like you. I want, I want to be set apart just like your son was set apart. I want to be different just because of the way that I've seen those things. And there's no greater compliment to a father than to hear I want to be like my dad. Also, when I'm holy, I bring glory to God. You know, holiness starts with the respect for God. John 17, 4, I finished the work you gave me. I brought you glory on earth. You see, John spent his life changed. John spent his life transformed once he came into a relationship with Jesus and he started to go to work. He didn't just believe and walk away, but John chose to change things and comes here and says, I finished the work. I brought you glory. You see, this kind of verifies what we were talking about earlier, that in everything that you do, John understood that. And so in everything that he did in his life, it was a complete difference. And because of that work, he had brought glory on earth. This one's kind of cool, too, in Galatians. You know, Paul was one of the worst, right? When Paul was Saul, he would, he would kill Christians. He would, he would murder Christians. Um, he, would, he would persecute them. He would chase them and hunt them down. Like, Saul was not a part of the Christian faith. And then Saul had this, 
this, this intervening moment, and his name was changed to Paul. And as he writes this letter to this church, he says in Galatians 1, 23 and 24, he says, The only thing they heard about me was our former enemy, who was once brutally persecuted us, is now preaching the good news of the faith that he was once obsessed with destroying. And then he comments, says, Because of the transformation that took place in my life, they praise God even more. You see, that's so cool for, for Paul to understand, like, I mean, all they heard about me was there was this one dude who used to kill us, and now he's preaching for us. It strengthened my faith, you know? And it's so cool to hear that kind of situation that Paul sees because that's the same exact thing that God wants us to do in our lives. Whoever you guys are in the crowds, he wants you to look at your life and say, you know, my classmates used to look at me as this guy, but now I'm this guy. My coworkers used to look at me as this guy or this girl, but now I'm this guy or this girl. My family, that's a tough one, right? My family used to look at me as this guy or this girl or this son or this father or this daughter, but now I'm this one. And because of that, I bring glory to God, but also I provide hope for those changes. Because doesn't it say... Circle that last part. They praise God even more. You see, when people can see a drastic difference in your life versus the rest of the world's lives, you are going to strengthen the faith of people around you. When your life is so drastically different, so drastically set apart, so drastically holy, you will impact the lives of the people around you and strengthen their relationship with God as well. And that is so cool, and that is such, that is such a motivating part of, of wanting to be holy, to know that I can have an impact on others. Like I talked about, I, I didn't grow up that with a dad, but like I had a lot of coaches and teachers and people like that. Kind of Those were my influences in life, and I wanted to be like them. And the more I saw them and the way that they lived and they acted, and they, and they teach, they're teach, yeah, I, I was a PE teacher, so I, I'm not very English savvy. <laughs> but when they used to teach... Other students, I saw the way they interacted. I saw the way that they showed comfort and they loved and they cared for other students. I saw my coaches and the way they poured their time and energy. And I saw those models and I said, I want to be more like you guys. And ultimately, as I went through college, I graduated with a PE degree because I wanted to be a PE teacher just because of the way the, the teachers that I had had brought me in. It's no different than whenever you choose to be holy in your life. Whenever you can be somebody holy in life and you can set yourself apart and you can change so drastically and show something different, people will, that will be contagious and it will strengthen the faith of people around you. When you're holy, you honor God. But on the other side of this, when you're unholy, you dishonor God. Look at this in Romans, Romans 2, 23 and 24. It says, you pride yourself in having God's law, then stop dishonoring God by failing to keep his teaching." Here's what it says. Because of you, God's reputation is slaughtered or is slandered by those outside the covenant. You see, it's so important for us to understand that if we don't show the world a drastic difference of life, you're putting God's reputation on the line. If you come to church on Sunday mornings, and get a little pick-me-up, but then you go back to your families, and you go back to your jobs, and you go back to your classrooms, and you go back 
to wherever you guys go and nothing's different and you just kind of fit in with everybody else, you're putting God's reputation on the line because you're not showing holiness. You're not showing set-apartness. You're showing that you're there for something different. You're there with your family because that's your biological family. That's who you were placed with, and here I am. You go, to your, you go back to your jobs because that's where you get paid. That's where you get your money. So I'm just here to get my money. You go, you go to your schools because that's where you get your degree. That's where you're just getting, you're getting your school work in and out. But that's not how holy people think. That's how people who put God's reputation on the line think. Because they're not really there to show holiness, to exemplify holiness. They're there for themselves. But to be holy, you're there for different reasons now. I'm called to holiness because being holy is vital to fulfilling purpose. Because being holy is, is vital to fulfilling purpose. You see, when you have a different, when you have a different feeling and, it, and you have a different thought about what holiness looks like when you go back to those areas of your lives, that's going to be the defining moment for you as an individual is are you fulfilling a purpose God has put in your life or not? What is, what is your thoughts going back to those places? Because that's really going to determine if you're fulfilling a purpose that God has placed in you or not. Look at 1 Peter 2.9. It says, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. You see, this is kind of a slap in the face to Pharisees of this time and priests of this time. Because in 1 Peter, he, he's talking to disciples and he says, you guys are called to do priestly work. Now, as a priest, I'd probably feel offended by hearing that, right? If, he's, if he comes up and like, let's say I was a PE teacher and somebody's talking to Conrad right here who's not a PE teacher, right? And they come up to Conrad and I'm standing like right here and they're talking to Conrad and said, Conrad, you're called to do PE teacher's work. And I'm like, I'm right here. Why am I not called to do PE? Why are you not talking to me? Why are you not talking to me who's already doing this stuff? I can do PE teacher work. That's probably how the priests felt, right? You're called to do priestly work. Well, why would the priests feel offended? You see, because the priests had a problem in that time. The priests and the Pharisees had a problem of feeling like there's a hypocritical side of them because they were more focused on the law than the relationships. They're more focused on the status and the religion than they were the relationships. And so that's the entire reason, or part of the reason why Jesus came at the time that he did was because the religious leaders at that time were getting it all wrong. And so he had to come to show not the priests, not the Pharisees, even though he gave them opportunities, they didn't, they didn't want to change, but he had to come find lost people. He had to come find people who believed in the faith that weren't in titles. He had to come find people that had believed in him but didn't have the, the title of a religious leader and raise them up to change the world. You would think it would make sense for Jesus to come and find all the religious people like, hey guys, let's huddle up, let's figure this out, let's go back out. But no, he went around them and he tried to show them, but he ultimately went to fishermen and tax collectors, and people that were just in the world, and said, you've been chosen to be holy people. And here's why. 
Because at the end of this verse, it says, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. You see, the priests and Pharisees didn't have a night and day difference in their lifestyles. So how are, how are they going to be called to be holy if they don't know what the change of life is meant to look like? And so it's important for us in this room to understand this idea that it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter if you're a religious leader. It doesn't matter if you, if you attend a church. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you're at in life today. It doesn't matter. Any of those things don't matter. What matters is God calls holy people to answer his call because of the night and day difference he has made in their life. No title needed. No status needed. You can be an impact in other people's lives just by what God has done in your life. It's that simple. To fulfill this purpose, to be holy, is just to take what God has given you and give it to others. It's that simple. And because of that, when I am holy, I bring hope to people. When I'm holy, I bring hope to people. Now you get to go back to your works and you get to go back to your schools and you get to go back to your families and you get to talk about your night and day difference that God has done in your life. You get to talk about how you feel set apart because you don't, this isn't your home. You get to talk about God has changed these things that you are no longer the alcoholic. You are no longer the one who enters bad relationships. You're no longer the one who just messes up in every area of your life, but you found something different and it was a night and day difference in your life and it starts to show up in your lifestyle and those people in your classes, your jobs, your families catch on and they see that and you get to bring hope. Look at 1 Peter 2.12. Live an exemplary, exemplary life among the natives. That's your homes. That's your, that's your works. That's your schools. Among the natives so that your actions will ref, refute their prejudices. Here's the cool part. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. You see, being holy can change people's lives. Being holy can give people in your life, in your circle, in your context, something completely different. I have a lot of people in my physical family, my biological family, that I love to death but do not know Jesus. And I've tried the Pharisee side. I've tried going to my family and saying, you're sinners. <laughs> like, doesn't go well. I'm sure some of you guys have too. That's a sin, mom or dad or whoever it is. You know, change your life. You know, that doesn't work. You know what has worked for me, though? Is years down the road since I've been a Christian since I was a college student. It's been about 12 or 14 years now. My family has started to see, oh, he... he doesn't sleep around with random people. He doesn't have kids with, with multiple partners. He has a wife, and he's never divorced. And he's got kids, and they're not crazy half the time, you know? <laughs> but they respect him when he says things, and they listen, and they obey. And his wife hasn't left him, and his wife hasn't screamed at him all the time. Yeah. Um, and his, he hasn't moved from house to house to house to house. He's found a job, and it's been consistent. Something different about this kid who was born into this family from what he was in high school. 
something different about him than everyone else in this family. And I've had way better conversations with, with members of my family since I've chosen to live in hope than to preach a change. And I think for a lot of us in this room, maybe you have the wrong tact if you're trying to bring people to Christ. Maybe you think the tact is you just need to tell them that there's things going wrong in their lives and they need to change. But the reality is that you don't want to show them an example to show them what it could be like to change. And once again, I think if more Christians chose to live the exemplary life, like it talks about here in 1 Peter, more people would be aware of what hope could look like. See, you can't preach hope. You can't. You can only show it. I can't sit here and tell you how good life could be. I can only show you. And it's so important for us to understand that idea because it's so important for us to realize that that's the part of the purpose that God has put in our life. You see, that last point there is a purposeful God calls us to be a purposeful people. You see, we got the why, or we got the what out of hope. We got, we got the connection that it's for us, and then we got the why. It's a pretty purposeful God to line it all up like that, to not leave any you know, blank areas. But God is a purposeful God, and he's put those things in plan for a purpose because he calls us to be purposeful people as well. And to take that information and not just absorb it and leave it to ourselves, but to use this idea of holiness for a purpose greater than ourselves in this world. And that purpose is for you guys today. And it starts with him making you holy and him giving you that opportunity to be holy. And look at this last verse in 1 Peter that we had kind of said at the beginning. But in first, it's not on your notes, but in 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23, it says, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart, for you've been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. You see, like I said when I, when I started today, God has called all of us to be holy, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. That's something that God has called of us, and God has offered that to us. And he wants us to walk in that for the rest of our lives. And so my question for you today is, how are you doing at that? If you feel like you know who God is and you feel like you're in this relationship with God, great. Have you found and connected with people who are going to help you with that when you go back to your schools and your families and your jobs and all those different areas. If you haven't and you're just investigating, you're like, I didn't really know that that's what God had in store for me. I don't really know a lot about God. That You came to the right place. I want to encourage everyone to pull out that communication card. It's a cardstock piece of paper. And that's your opportunity to respond to holiness today. You know, like I said, I don't know where everybody's at today, but I know that God wants us all to be holy and it's going, to take a little, it's going to take something maybe a little different for everyone. And so there's different, you know, there's different boxes on there that you guys can check. I encourage you guys to fill that out today. Because when it comes to holiness, guys, it's a team effort. You need people in your life to help you. Maybe if you're just checking us out and you don't, know, uh, you don't know a lot about churches, you don't have a community of people that are helping with this, you go back home to your jobs or to your works or to your families or your schools, and you feel like you're alone, that's not what God called holiness to look like. 
God wants us to be together, like it says here in 1 Peter. Show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. That's what the church is for, guys. We're a family here. Even though Reggie's a Rams fan and Kyle's a Packers fan and I'm a Chiefs fan, we're still brothers and sisters. Just some distance between us. <laughs> no. Um, but no, we love each other to death here. This what's so cool about this church is that we have differences. We have, we have different things that we are about in the world. We have different contexts in the world. But we know that this is our family and we love each other deeply. And if you're looking for a community, if you're looking for a family that can, can show that and give that, you came to the right place. And if you fill out that card today, we're going to have somebody connect with you and reach out to you. If you're looking for a relationship with God and you don't know what that looks like, maybe check like a personal Bible study to see what the Word says about being holy. If you want to get connected to a small group, maybe check that box, and we'll get somebody in your age range to, check, to reach out to you guys so you can go through the same struggles and things with people around your age. That was one of the biggest things for me growing up that, I, that brought me to the Crossings Church is I grew up in a church that there was only two or three other kids my age whenever I was in high school at that church. The rest of them were what we call gray hairs. <laughs> um, they were old guys. And I'm going to tell you right now, as a young high school boy that struggled with porn, you know how hard it was for me to go talk to a bunch of 70-year-old dudes about that struggle? And for them to be like, what's the internet? Like, I, I, I couldn't connect with that, you know? And so one of the things that I found here was I found people in the same age ranges as me, in the same struggles as me, saying, dude, I know what you're going through. Let's work on this together. Let's get here together. And that's what I love about the Crossing Church. It doesn't matter if you're a junior high kid or a little kid in one of our kids' classrooms or if you're one of those 70-year-old guys that doesn't know what the Internet is yet. There is a place for you in this church. There is a home and a connection and a community here. So please fill out that card. What we're going to do is we're going to, we're, I'm going to pray and we're going to wrap up for the day. Um, and we're going to sing a song. And while we're singing that first song, that's going to give you guys an opportunity to fill out that card. Um, and then we're going to sing a second, a second song, and that will kind of wrap us up for the day. But I'm glad you guys came. You know, keep checking us out. We have a lot of things, like I said, coming in this fall. Um, we have a lot of different things going on throughout the school year. Uh, if you have family that maybe wants to come, invite them in. It's, just, it's a great time to be at the crossings, and it's a great place to be. So I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap up for the day. God, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to, to be holy. You know, as a kid, that was a really intimidating word, and I never thought that that was something I was called to be. But God, when I look into your word and I look into scripture, I realize that that's not an intimidating word. That's just something you call all of us to be. It doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter our backgrounds. Um, it's kind of like the word disciple. I feel like disciple is another intimidating word, but literally it's the same kind of context. It's just if we want to follow you, you know, you call us to be a disciple and you call us to be holy. And that's for everyone, no matter their age, no matter um, their, their titles, no matter their backgrounds. That's... It's what you want of us. And so, God, I pray that we can look into your word a little bit more and figure out what holy is, and we can find a community of people that help us be holy and help us continue to be set apart from the world for the world uh, in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.